chapter 14, hands and feet. Luke 14, verse 5. Then he asked them, If one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? Last week, a high school kid I work with told me he was reading something which said that if you believe in Jesus but don't live a holy life, you won't go to heaven. My first question back to him was, okay, but how holy does your life have to be? He looked confused, so I said, in other words, do you have to be 89% holy? What about 65%? Could a person squeak past the line if they only managed to work themselves up to 51% holy? He started to smile, which was good because I was definitely trying to be ridiculous. Sometimes people say things about Jesus and the Bible that sound really convincing and true at the time, but the more you think about them, the more they break down. Preachers and Christian authors can at times get away with saying things that aren't true simply because other people have already decided to trust them, no matter what. Sometimes people make statements with so much confidence or persuasive skill, or else just sheer volume, that questioning them or even thinking about the things they said in a reasoned way seems wrong. The thing is, good teachers are always open to questions. Honest authority figures appreciate feedback, and they aren't afraid to be wrong. If you ever find yourself listening to teaching that doesn't welcome or encourage questions, it's time to move on. The statement, if you believe in Jesus but don't live a holy life, you won't go to heaven, seems at first like it makes sense. I mean, it's simple, straightforward, it sounds very churchy. Believing in Jesus is good, and Jesus is holy, so this all fits, right? The only problem is that if you drag that statement out into the open, shine some light on it, and look at it really closely, it just doesn't work. For starters, no one is holy. Period. I mean, if I could live a holy life, why would I need to be rescued by Jesus in the first place? The whole reason people need Jesus is that we are desperately polluted. (laughs) Sin has wrecked our hearts and minds so much that we don't have what it takes to be holy. Our willpower has no power behind it. When Jesus comes into our life, he introduces a new power to change, but that change is a process that we grow into for the rest of our lives. Not only that, but how holy is holy enough? I mean, I was joking about the percentages earlier, but in all seriousness, how much does my life need to change before I die? And how much time do I have to change it? What are the really big fat sins that will get me disqualified? When I believed in Jesus, he said he forgave all my sins, but which of my sins are exceptions to what he said? You know, the real problem here is that the grace of God is messy business and people don't like messy We want something clean, neat, quantifiable, and static. We want a definite way to know who's in and who's out. We want a scoreboard that gives us a clear winner and an uncontested loser. 
We're not comfortable with the mystery of watching a person struggle to understand the mercy of God and stumble in and out of walking with him. Some people are trying really hard to make sure they're in. They have their hands to the plow at their church. They have their heads in the game. They are working this thing out, and it's confusing to see someone struggle with a sin they would never do and yet consider themselves justified. As a result, they say, well, you have to live a holy life or you're out without considering just how much pollution is still in their own mind and heart. The problem with scoreboards is that a team can give everything they've got on the field and then lose the game at the final buzzer because of some small technicality. Is that the way God works? Can you stretch out your hands to the goal line with all you've got but miss victory by inches? In Luke chapter 14, Jesus was eating dinner on the Sabbath day in the home of a really important religious leader. There was a man in front of Jesus who was suffering from edema, which was excessive swelling in the hands and feet. Jesus looked at this man in pain and then looked around at this leadership. These guys keep all the rules. In the eyes of their community, they were models of holiness. Jesus asked him if it was okay to heal on the Sabbath. On the one hand, he knew they thought it was wrong. But on the other hand, the guy with the swollen hands and feet was clearly in pain. The leaders didn't say a word. So Jesus healed him and sent him on his way. Then Jesus turned to these men and said, let me ask you something. If one of you had a son or even an ox that fell into a well on the Sabbath, would you not immediately pull him out? In other words, there are things that matter more than the rules, even to you guys. Love matters more. If it were your kid down in a well, you wouldn't stop short and say, Hey, son, I'd love to rescue you, but, you know, it's Saturday and all, so technically speaking, I I can't pull you up today. I'll see you tomorrow, and here's a sandwich. God responds to love not to a scoreboard. Technicalities don't disqualify you. It's not about how far you strain and stretch out your hands toward the goal line to make the score. It's about how far he has come to reach you. Jesus was about to stretch out his hands and feet on a cross because he loves us so much. Those holy hands and feet would be pierced with spikes. Pure and holy blood would flow down onto the fallen ground. Jesus was about to sacrifice everything. He had already given up so much to come down here. And now he was about to give his breath, his life, and his fellowship with the Father. His love for you was taking him to the very extreme. He gave his all for love for you. After everything he went through, do you really think a little technicality could keep you from him? As the apostle Paul said in Romans chapter eight, 
I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. For more on this, get yourself to a quiet place. Read Luke 14, 1 through 6, and Romans 8, 31 through 39. Jesus gave everything to pay for your sin. And if you've trusted in him, you are forgiven, period. How does that make you feel? Jesus wants you to feel safe and secure. Tell him about where you are. Thank you.